I was reading, I was reading an uh, article, and this is how the article started out. And he said, something big happened the day before you were born. That really echoes, sorry. And he says, something big happened the day before you were born. Do you know what it was? And he goes, I do for me. Sports history was made the day before um, he came, to, came into this world. And it's right, it was on May 6, 1954. So some 60 years ago. Um, and it was a sports uh, feat that was thought physically impossible to do. And that was broken that day. So it got me thinking, all right, so what happened the day before <coughs> I was born, <coughs> August 7, 1961? And so I looked it up. And this is what it was. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the first case of motion sickness in space reported. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Something big happened the day before you were born somewhere in the world. It may be a sports feet or history thing that was thought physically impossible to do, it was broken that day, or the first case of motion sickness in space was reported. But something big happened the day before you were born. And, and I'm not really concerned about that day as I am the next day, right? Because something big happened that day, and, and it was you. You were born. You were brought into this world, God created you. He knitted you together to how you look and put inside of you these things that make who you are and you were shaped um, along the way and, and all of that to be who you are today. And when we think about you know, the new year, 2018, every year we, we get this part where we we press pause, I think, a little bit, and we reflect back on what happened in the past, and we can hopefully hit reset and go, all right, this is what I want to do for this next year. But if we're honest with ourselves, we really don't know, right, what's going to happen. There's this massive question mark um, in front of us because we're can't control most everything that is going to happen. The thing that we can control is us, right? Is how I think and how I respond in, in all of that. So, so here's what we know, is that something big is going to happen every day somewhere across the world. The other thing we know is that someone is going to be born that following day. And here's the other thing we know, is that there are a lot of what I would call, quote unquote, big, big things that happen every day that go unnoticed, that when I Google or you Google or whatever search engine you use, for the day before you were born, um, 
There's a lot of things that happened that day that are not going to be mentioned. I mean, things like, oh, just a myriads of things, right? Someone just holding the door open for someone at uh, a grocery store or at Target or Walmart or wherever, um, saying hi, a handshake, um, someone being nice to you, someone giving you a little bit of money for gas or whatever it might be, but something, what I would say, big happened as well that does not get reported. The other thing we know is that there's 365 days in a year, right? And, and so that's going to happen every one of those days. There's an app that, um, I have not done this, but I've seen several results of this. It's called One Second Every Day, and um, it's a video diary. And so you take a one-second video of you every single day, and then what that app does is it compiles it and puts it together, and then you watch it at the end of the year. And I'll be honest, for some, it's kind of boring. <laughs> but for them, I'm sure it was pretty cool to see one second of their life for 365 days of the year. It got me thinking, though, is that... Um, you know, on Christmas Eve, we had the three children read the Christmas story, and it kind of wrote it in a little bit different language, but they ended with um, the statement, it was the best night ever, and they said it, it was the best night ever, it was the best night ever. And, and I firmly believe that for Mary and Joseph and for the shepherds, that, and then later for um, Simeon and for Anna and for the wise men, wise persons that came to see baby Jesus, that that moment really truly was the best night ever. So it got me thinking that, all right, so if that's true, then, then how can we, um, because they had to, right, sleep, and then they woke up, and then daybreak happened, and people began to, shepherds began to do their thing again, and the wise men went off and did their thing again, and Simeon and Anna and Joseph, Joseph and Mary had to do their thing. And so life didn't stop, right? They didn't, didn't keep that best um, night ever. It just didn't stop. Life kept going. And so that best night ever turned into just the daily, everyday stuff of life for them. And I think it just became a culmination, right, of just a lot of things in their life that um, that built on that best night. And so for us, I mean, what if we can turn that best night ever into, um, and, and when I wrote this title, excuse my lack of proper English, um, I, I wrote the best night ever, and I just didn't like that. So I wrote the bestest night ever. I don't know if I was just feeling nostalgic for my girls or whatever, but just indulge me, right? So what is it going to look like to have the bestest a year ever in your life in 2018. And that's what I want to get at this morning, is to figure out, because I think deep down that's really what we want. We want this year to be better than last year. And so what's it going to take to do that? And as I was thinking about that one second every day, that video diary, um, a thought popped in my head that, well, what if we could do that with 
and, and, and co um, correlating that with these big moments that the author, the author talked about in the story, if we can combine those two, and this is really one of our takeaways for today. I'm just going to tell you up front as we um, dive into this. As I was thinking, well, what if we can, you know, maybe you can download that app and you can do the one second everyday thing, and then that reminds you that I need to do something quote-unquote big today. Not big like um, breaking a sports record, but big in the sense of um, how can I um, do something that will display the fruit of the Spirit in my life to someone, to some person today? Whether it's my spouse, whether it's my kids, whether it's uh, somebody that I work with, whether it's somebody in my neighborhood, and, and then just write that down. Just something quick. It doesn't have to be something just said that whether you were feeling grumpy at the grocery store and the clerk was there and you decided, no, I'm not going to be grumpy. I'm going to be pleasant and I'm going to shake their hand or I'm going to converse with them or I'm just going to say, man, I hope your day is better or whatever it might be. But doing something that day that you may not be able to see the results of it, uh, but it'll reap benefits down the road, right? Because it comes from what's going on inside and that fruit of the Spirit happening in your life. And then just write it down. And then at the end of the year, look back and go, wow, there's 300 and, well, now we're past, right? We're seven days into the year. So what's 365 minus seven is 358. So 358 entries in your diary about these big moments in your life. Here's the thing um, with this whole thing. I mean, there's going to be times when you're not going to feel like it, and there's going to be times where, where some are bigger than others. But I think you're going to look back and you're going to go, wow, there's a lot of, a lot of cool things in, that I don't remember, or there's a lot of cool things that God used me for. And I think... And I pray that it's going to be uh, a huge encouragement to you when you figure out how am I going to love someone better? How am I going to um, be kind to them? How am I, gonna, how am I going to um, exhibit self-control? Um, allow the peace that Christ has in my heart to shine to someone else? Um, Joy, patience, the goodness of just being a son and daughter, um, faithfulness, um, gentleness, all those things that are part of the fruit of the Spirit in your life, how are you going to show that to someone else and then just be able to, to look back and go, wow, that was, wow, that happened, wow, that happened, I did that, that's just amazing. And I think that'll be an incredible, incredible encouragement to you because here's the cool thing about that is that when you do that for that day the next day somebody is going to be born in this world right it just keeps going and going and going and while that person when they're if they're going to do this thing search for the big thing that happened the day before they were born most likely they're not going to read about what you did and they might you might do something that the world will recognize, but probably not. But one thing I do know for sure is that, that someone does recognize every, 
Every one of those, whether they're big or small, every one of those things that you do, whether big or small, that you're going to do every day for somebody. Because you're a son, because you're a daughter, the God in heaven is going to recognize and see that. To me, that's amazing that that our God can every day of the year for every person that his uh, that is his son or daughter can remember and acknowledge and smile at these things that you and I do every single day and to him they are big and so we want to get into what does it look like to have the bestest year ever in your life in 2018 and here's um, the first thing Oh, excuse me. I'll be right back. Here's the first thing, is for you to um, find your why. And, and I want you to um, look at this verse in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. It says, so whether... You eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. I mean, have you ever won, have you ever stopped, I guess, and, and thought about why you do what you do every day? I mean, think about it. Why do you get up? Why do you go to work? I mean, why um, are you nice to people and all those kind of things? Why do you do what you do. And it's really hard sometimes, right, to get at the bottom of that. And I was challenged one time to, um, to think deeply about that in my own life. And this question, or this word, why, has been very, very helpful. Because why is like a shovel. This word why is like a shovel. And when we, um, I mean, a shovel, this is my shovel, it's kind of old, like me. Um, but when you're trying to dig up a shrub, right, you, you start digging and you, and it's hard work and I don't like it, but you just kept, keep going, right, you keep going, you keep digging, you keep digging, and it's, and it's um, eventually you get to the bottom of whatever you need to, to get at, and you, whether it's a plant or whatever, you uproot it and you get to the bottom, Right? And so this why is like a shovel. It, it helps you get at the bottom of, of this idea of why you do what you do. And it begins to, um, it, it's painful <laughs> if you're really honest with yourself because it's easy to say, well, of course I do things for the glory of God, but do you really? And it's, and it's when we're really honest with ourselves and we begin to, dig with this why, we begin to figure out that what it really boils down to is two things. I'm either doing what I'm doing for the glory of God or I'm doing what I'm doing for me. And me is controlling my life. And in essence, that's being selfish. And so I'm going to ask you just to 
before we can get into having really this, the bestest experience in 2018, is for you to find your why. For you to figure out, is it um, doing everything, right, for the glory of God, or is it self in my life? And if it's self, then what we need to do, right, is to begin this whole repentance process and make a complete U-turn, not that way, and go 180 degrees and, and go the other way in our life. and be So repent and obedience. If it's here, great, keep going. Keep diving into God. Keep knowing him. But I would encourage you to find your why first. If I hit that, that's a bad thing. Here's the second thing, is to believe the, believe the possibilities. Remember that story at, or, or the author that told you about that, that, that physical feat on the track? Well, this is what it was. It was the mile. For, for a long time before that, the four-minute barrier had not been broken. And it was believed by many to be physically impossible to break a four-minute mile. And on that particular day before this author was born, Roger Bannister, um, who was a, I believe, 25, 27, somewhere in there, I think 25, 25-year-old uh, who began that race with a bunch of other men. And he, by the time that third lap hit, the, the, the time was called out, and it was... Um, just under, I think it was like right at three minutes. And he goes, all right, I believe that this can happen. And he began to, is this an incredible, you can watch the, the clip on YouTube, but it's this incredible race. And, and, and people began to get excited as he uh, got to the finish line. And he crossed that tape. And before um, anybody could say, or before the announcer could say what the time was, he knew that he had broken that four-minute mile, and they, they rang it out, and it was three minutes, 59.4 seconds. And it was just an incredible, incredible feat. And if you think about it, he, he believed that he could do it, but he also had trained, right? He also had prepared his body for that. I mean, it'd be different for me to go out and say today that I believe, I mean, that for me to go out and try to attempt a four-minute mile and say, yeah, I believe that I can do it, but reality says no. It's going to be more like a 40-minute mile, and it's just the way it's going to be, right, in a, in a wheelchair or whatever. Um, <clears throat> but that's just what it's going to be. But one thing I wanted to uh, pull from that story is this um, idea of believe. And I want to turn to uh, a book in the Bible um, called Luke. And if you got your Bibles or your smartphones or just a physical Bible, I want you to turn there. Luke chapter 8, we're going to spend uh, the rest of our morning in three stories in that chapter. So Luke chapter 8, and it's this little story, verses 22 through 25, where Jesus is calming the storm. And I'm just going to read it to you, and then we're going to come back. One day Jesus said to his disciples, so Jesus is with his disciples, and he said, let us go over to the other side of the lake. And so they got into a boat, and they set out, and as they sailed... He fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake, and so that the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. 
The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters, and the storm subsided, and all was calm. And then this is what he says, Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. So here's the question for you and I. You know, he said, where is your faith? And I think that question could be ours as well, right? That's the great battle for us. Where is your faith? Do you believe? And it's not so much that all these big things, it's more on these everyday daily things, right, that we talked about in this whole thing about fruit to root, believing about um, who God is and what he's done and, and who am I as a result of that. All these things that are true about our God and all these things that are true about what he has done for us and all these things that are true now about me as a son, about me as a daughter, these are things I think that he's going, where is your belief? Where is your faith? When I say that I will never leave you or forsake you, when I say that you're my son and you have all the rights and privileges just like my son Jesus. We forget that. And we struggle with that. And we battle with that. But that's one of these things, if we're going to have the bestest year ever in 2018, that we need to engage in that. We need to begin to believe, to deconstruct the lies and the fears and then be, repent from that and then be, begin to reconstruct that in our life. A proper understanding of who God is, a proper understanding of what he's done and a proper understanding of who I now am in Christ. The second thing, or the second story um, is verse 26 on down and it's about um, Jesus restoring the demon-possessed man. In verse 26, um, we see Jesus and disciples and he steps ashore and he's greeted by this demon-possessed man from town. And for a long time he's been, um, he doesn't live in town, he lives um, in this cave or this tomb and his clothes are all worn out. And when Jesus, um, is verse 28, when, when he saw Jesus, he cried out, meaning the demon inside of him, and fell at his feet shouting at the top of his voice. Can you imagine this scene before you? And he's shouting, What do you want from me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. And then Jesus, um, for Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him and though he was Though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him and they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. And then, of course, you, from the story there, um, there was a large herd of pigs and they said, please just send us there. And so he did. And then the pigs ran and, and, and drowned themselves. The reaction to that story 
is that the townspeople, when, they, when some heard this, they ran into town, they brought people out, and they were really, really afraid. And they said, Jesus, you need to leave. And then we hear the reaction of the, the young man, who obviously was um, extremely thankful, and he wanted to go with Christ, and he said, no, I want you to stay here. And, and he went and became an incredible evangelist for Christ and the transformation that can happen by putting your belief in him. Here's the interesting thing about that story that maybe we miss a little bit. Is that the, the, the demons or the impure spirits knew who Jesus was. And they were terrified. I mean, they knew who he was, that he, that his, he was the son of God. They knew his power. They knew that he could command them to go this way or go that way, that they didn't have any power over him. I mean, they knew that. And, and if it stands to reason that if that is true, that they knew that about Jesus, then wouldn't it stand to reason that when, when we have Christ inside of us, when we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, when we are a son or a daughter of God, that the demons or Satan would know that as well and they would tremble at that fact, right? The enemy is shaking in his boots right now because when he sees you and he doesn't see you, um, just you, what he sees is the Holy Spirit of God inside of you that you are in Christ and I tell you that he is, or they, he are shaking in their boots because of knowing the potential that is inside of you. I was listening to a sermon, and, and this is what Priscilla Shire said. It would be a shame for the enemy to believe more about your potential than you do. I just was blown away by that statement. I'm, I'm, I want you to know that if, even if you don't believe all these things that are true about you in Christ, the enemy does. They do, because they know, right? They know that um, what is possible when you're obedient to him. They know what's possible when someone lives from a life of forgiveness and there's freedom, they know what's possible when someone understands, Romans 8, 1, that there's now, therefore, no condemnation to those who love Christ. The enemy is shaking because they know that there's victory, that there's victory won already. I just think that's such a powerful statement. It would be a shame for the enemy to believe more about your potential than you do. Here's what Satan, his demons, are trying to do in your life all the time. They try to... That's discourage. They try to discourage you in your life and they try to distract you in your life. It's a little like this right here. The 
that dog just say hi there? Oh, yes. Brad! My name is Doug. I have just met you, and I love you. My master made me this collar. He is a good and smart master, and he made me this collar so that I may talk. Squirrel! Right? <laughs> that's the movie Up, by the way. Great movie. But I, I just, that's one of my favorite scenes in a movie because he's talking, he's talking and he's focused, and it's not every day a dog talks to a human, right? But he's doing that, and all of a sudden he sees a squirrel and squirrel, right? And he's distracted. And that's what happens in our life. That's what Satan loves to do. Go to church, pray, study, do all those things, right? But what he wants to do is discourage you. What he wants to do is distract you enough where then you lose sight, you lose focus on whether you're going to then do what you know, whether you're going to be obedient to what you know. And it's going to make you feel good because you're going to church, you're doing all these things, you're praying, you're giving, and all of that. And that's great, and that's necessary, and that's what we need to do because of what Christ has done inside of us. But then he goes, that's fine, do that. Let it be about all of that. But then I'm going to distract you over here with Husker football. Or uh, maybe that was too deep. Uh, something else. <laughs> I know, groan. Hawkeye football, there we go. Um, whatever it might be, I'm going to distract you enough where you are going to lose that desire to be obedient to what you already know to be true in God's word. What a shame it would be for the enemy to know more or to believe more about your potential than you do. I mean, that's part of what it is, right? So find your why, believe the possibilities, believe the truth about who God is and what he's done and who you are. And you have Christ in you, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, and you have God as your Father, the God who, I mean, just, we could go on and on and on about that, but it just is overwhelming to me, and the immense possibility of a son or a daughter being obedient to that, and, le and just humbling themselves before God and saying, I want to be used by you um, for your glory, for your honor. And Paul in Ephesians says, all right, this is how you combat the, de the devil. Because we really do have an enemy that disguises himself in, um, as an angel of light, right? He, you may, it may look good, but it's not good. And he uses really cool-looking things to distract us. He uses discouragement, shame, and guilt You're worthless. Nobody likes you. Uses all those things for you to begin to doubt that you are a true son and daughter of him. And so he lays it out in Ephesians 6 about putting on the whole armor of God. And you should read that at some point. Ephesians 6, 10 and the following verses. Incredible, incredible passage. So find the why, believe the possibilities, and then the third thing is this, take action. It's that story right before the two that we just read in, in Luke chapter 8. It says um, in verse 19, 
Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. And this is what Jesus said. My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. That's this whole thing about obedience. About doing what you know. It's about taking action. This is what Jesus is saying. If you're my son, you're my daughter, that you're going to not only learn, you're going to know more about who I am, but you're going to take that extra step and you're going to now put that into practice. You're going to begin to do what you are now learning and you've seen me do. A couple of quotes that have really struck me, and it's this. It doesn't take a great deal to grow a church numerically, but to plant a church that puts the gospel of the glory of God on display in the shared lives of restored sinners, that's a far bigger, costlier, and more beautiful work, and that's what personally I want to be involved in. Numbers are great, and, and that to me is a reflection of God doing something. But more important to me is this, is that we become a group of people that the the gospel of the glory of God is on display amongst a group of people that we all know that we are sinners and we're being restored day by day. And when we can do that, it becomes extremely, extremely attractive. Here's another truth that I think we need to begin to believe wholeheartedly, that is that the church, that, that church is far more than a group of people um, turning up to a venue at the same time to sing, pray, and listen to a sermon. That takes belief. That takes belief in believing that that is not true. The church is made up of you and I as sons and daughters, and we don't always meet in this building. So if that's, I mean, if that's true, right, then, then wherever we are, that is the church, and you're being church to a whole group of people that you work with, you live with, and you spend time with. So many things. So here's some takeaways. Um, oops. Begin to, uh, we're going to take the next, you know, 90 days or so before Easter and we're going to dive into the greatest man who ever lived, and that's Jesus, in the book of Luke. We shared a few stories today, but we're going to start in the book of Luke, and we're going to take the first half of the year, our first part here, and look at that first half, and then, and then we're going to do that again, um, either the first part of next year or the latter part of this year. But um, we're going to take a, a look at that and find out what our Savior, Jesus, what, how, is the greatest man who ever lived, what, what did he look like? How did he live? How did he speak? What did he do? And then how does that impact my life? But that's what we're going to do. So one of the things that you can do to begin to take action is, is possibly think about um, spending these next days leading up to Easter and reading the book of Luke over 
and over and over again, whatever that might. So just that's just a possibility. To develop some kind of a reading plan, if that's not your thing, develop another kind of a reading plan, whether it's reading all of the New Testament, that's what I'm doing right now, or the whole Bible, whatever it might be, but figure out how you can get yourself into God's Word. Um, the second thing is I've got this little thing called an annual reflection and plan, and if, and if it's hard for you to do this on your own, this has some very simple steps, some incredible questions that will um, help you to think and it gives you some easy things for you to do to, to write down and then to develop an action plan um, to develop your theme, theme for the year and, and what your next steps might be. So that's something that if you're interested in, let me know, and I can email that to you. And then the third thing is that as a church, what, what we're committed to helping you do is really growing in, these, in three vital relationships. That's intimacy with God. Um, community with other sons and daughters, other believers, other people part of God's family, and then having influence with others in your life. I want to close with um, a chapter in the book of Psalms that is, is an incredible, incredible chapter. And, and I want you to, um, if we could... Um, if they can have the lights off of me, I think. And, and you can close your eyes on this or whatever you need to do but to focus. But I want you just to listen and allow the word of God to wash over you this morning from Psalm 37 because I think it speaks to um, what we need to do to have the bestest year ever in 2018. Finding our why and... Um, believing the possibilities, and taking action. So just listen um, as I read. And I'm going to write some words on here um, as we read. Um, and then we'll close. From Psalm 37. It says, Do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord. And do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them. But the Lord laughs at the wicked for he knows their day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend the bow but to bring down the poor and needy to slay those whose ways are upright. But their swords will pierce their own hearts and their, bows, and their bows will be broken. Better the little that the righteous have than the wealth of many wicked. 
For the power of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The blameless spend their days under the Lord's care, and their inheritance will endure forever. In times of disaster, they will not wither. In days of famine, they will enjoy plenty. But the wicked will perish. Though the Lord's enemies are like the flowers of the field, they will be consumed. They will go up in smoke. The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. Those the Lord blesses will inherit the land, those, but those he curses will be destroyed. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. And though we stumble, and we do, right? We get sick. Things happen. Bad things happen. And we stumble. We will not fall. Because the Lord upholds you with his hand. Such an incredible, incredible promise. And here's the question for you and I. What's stopping you from finding out the why, from believing the possibilities, from taking action to having the bestest year ever in 2018? Let me pray, and then we're going to sing one last song. Father, I pray for each one of us this morning. God, thank you that you love us. God, thank you that you pursue us, that you don't leave us to ourselves, that you desire for us to, um, to be more like your son, Jesus, God, that you want us to be um, young men, young women that are obedient to you. And so, God, give us that strength. Help us to open up our eyes, open up our ears. God, help us in that. I pray as a church family that we'll help each other. Praying, God, I pray that we will not be judgmental, Father. I pray that we will not look down on anyone, God, but I pray that we will exhibit love and tenderness and compassion because, God, that's what you did for us. And so help us, Father, in that. And I I'm looking forward, Father, to these next days with this group of people. And God, may you be glorified in everything. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.